I suppose the reason I am writing this is to tell the truth about what happened that night. I will tell the same story in court tomorrow, though I don't imagine anyone will believe me. Maybe I'm writing this for my own peace of mind. Either way, I'll likely be in prison by the time you have a chance to read this, but this is an exact account of the night of February 14th, 2018, as it happened and as I experienced it. As anyone who is reading this will probably know, this was Natalie and I's first Valentine's Day together. I wanted to make it a nice night, and for the first several hours, it was. I picked her up from her house at eight, and we went for dinner at her favorite Thai place. We walked across the street to a bar for a couple of drinks, not enough to get either of us drunk, and then drove across town to Benton Harbor for a movie. Three billboards outside Ebbings, Missouri. It was all right. It was snowing when we left the theater a little after midnight and went for a drive. In the interest of full disclosure, I'm going to be completely honest here. We were looking for somewhere to have sex. With both of us living at home, it could be difficult to find space and privacy at times. We headed for a place that we'd been to before, a small park right on the beach a few miles north of town. As I turned on to 63, my car slid a bit in the gathering snow. Nobody else was on the road, so it wasn't too much of a problem to ease the car back into my lane, but I should have taken that as a sign. I should have turned back and headed home right there. We cruised along 63 for about 30 minutes, the lights of the town quickly giving way to dark forests on either side of the road. It was normally more of a 10 or 15 minute drive, but the snow was coming in droves now and forcing me to drive slow. I could only see the road a few feet in front of me. On either side of the car, Barren trees leaned in over the road, snow quickly accumulating on the larger branches. Every now and then the road would come to a crest and the trees would fall away and the vast blackness of the lake would become visible to our left, but only for a moment before we were plunged back down into the forest. Eventually I began to see landmarks that I recognized, and then, finally, the lone streetlight that marked the entrance to the park. I pressed down in the brakes and the car slid a little bit, but I managed to regain control with enough time to slow down for the turn. That's the worst part of it all. I was in control. I could have turned around when I saw the parking lot, but I didn't. I had just begun to turn in when I saw that, while the road had been plowed since the last snowfall, the parking lot clearly had not. The snow was so deep that it may have been two or three snowfalls since it had last been cleared. Before I knew it, the front half of my car hit the deep snow. There was a scraping sound from underneath, and by the time I realized that we were stuck, it was too late. I immediately tried to back out, but it was no use. I rocked the car back and forth, drive, reverse, drive, reverse, but we didn't move more than a few inches. Every time I revved the engine, the tires spun in place, sending plumes of snow across the headlight beams. We had only been stuck a few minutes when a Michigan State Trooper drove past. He slowed down, turned around, and parked his car behind ours. He stayed like that for a minute, headlights flooding the inside of our car, before he stepped out and approached my window. He asked if we were stuck and reminded us that the park was closed after sunset. I told him that we were trying to turn around and we got stuck. I stepped out and, with the officer, tried to push the car backwards while Natalie drove. We gained a couple feet but eventually stopped making progress before we could get the car out of the deep snow. 
The officer and I leaned on the hood of my car, out of breath. After a moment, he stood up and told us that our best bet would probably be to call a tow truck. He took our driver's licenses and disappeared into his car. I knocked the snow off of my shoes and climbed back into the driver's seat. After a few minutes, the officer was back at my window. He gave us our licenses back and wished us luck. A minute later, he was gone, and Natalie and I were once again alone. I took out my wallet, found my AAA card, and called the number. I was put on hold. Natalie and I talked for a bit. As we talked, the windows began to fog up. Twenty minutes went by, and still I was on hold. I turned off the engine to save gas. It was a little after 1.30 now, and Natalie and I were both tired. We watched the snowflakes hit the windshield, melt, and run in small streams down the glass. We had both begun drifting off when someone answered on the other end of the phone. I spoke to the man and explained our situation. He couldn't find any tow trucks in our immediate area, but promised to keep searching and call us back when he found one. I thanked him and hung up. The snow was still coming down hard. We'd been in the car a while now and I had to pee, so I stepped out and looked for a place to do so. The parking lot seemed especially big, spread out in front of me and covered in a foot of virgin snow. The air was quiet save for the high-pitched whining sound of the wind and, below that, the din of the lake. I suppose I could have just peed anywhere, but I felt awkward just going right in front of Natalie. I scanned the playground to my left, but it was surrounded by a low fence, which seemed like it would have been more trouble to get over than it was worth. Instead, I headed towards the far end of the parking lot, towards the lake. There was a line of trees bordering the lot on that end. Beyond that, a sheer cliff, and then the lake. There were some stairs leading down to the water, and I made my way towards those. The roar of the lake was louder over here. I stood on top of the stairs and looked down. They were steep and, in the dark, foreboding. I made up my mind that I would go down a few steps, just until I was out of Natalie's line of sight, and pee there. Carefully, I made my way down a handful of steps. The sound of waves crashing against the shore grew louder. The sodium vapor glow of the parking lot melted into the darkness. I unzipped my jeans and began to pee. When Natalie and I came to this spot in the summer, there had been a beach at the bottom of the steps. It was gone now. The water was high, much higher than it had been then, and when the tide came in, it crashed against the stairs themselves, engulfing the last few steps in icy foam. The surface of the lake was pure darkness that stretched on as far as I could see, dotted here and there with gleaming silver patches where the tide was rolling in or out. Not far from the bottom of the stairs was a large rock jutting out of the water, silhouetted against the bleak gray of the night sky that Natalie and I had swam to during the summer. We spent an afternoon just laying there, talking. I listened to the crashing of the waves as I peed, and to the wind whipping through the trees and shaking the branches. As I was finishing, I swear that the sound of the wind and the water grew just a bit quieter around me. I heard something else on the air and paused. I turned my head towards the water, where it seemed to be coming from. I can't be certain, but I thought I heard the sound, ever so faint, of someone singing. A woman. The sound was soft and almost sad, carried on the wind from somewhere in the distance. 
I couldn't hear it over the sound of my breathing, so I held my breath. The sound came and went with the wind, and a few times it went away completely for long enough that I was sure I'd just been imagining it, only for it to come back again. As I listened, the sound of the singing seemed to move closer, but maybe I imagined that part. I buttoned my pants and headed back up the stairs. I got to the top. I turned around and took one last look out over the lake. Again, my mind could have been playing tricks on me. It was very late and I was very tired. But I could have sworn I saw someone on top of the rock in the middle of the water. The snow was flying hard right at my face, and when I blinked a couple of times and tried to focus on the rock, whatever I saw was gone, if it had ever been there. I trudged back to the car and opened the door. I half expected Natalie to be asleep. She was not. What were you doing out there? She asked. I told her I was peeing like I said I was going to. She had the car running and the interior was warm. That's what I thought you were doing, but when I looked up, you were standing at the top of the stairs over there waving at me, like you wanted me to come over by you. I told her that I had never waved at her, and I asked her if she was sure that it was me. She said she assumed that it was, but with all the snow, she guessed that she couldn't really be sure. It's not like she could see my face from this far away or anything. But who else could it have been? It's two in the morning. Who else would be out here? I didn't answer her. I couldn't answer her. We sat in silence. When my phone rang, it startled both of us. It was the man from AAA calling back. He had found us a tow truck in the area, but it was far away and could take as long as four hours to reach us. It was a very busy night, he explained. A lot of cars were sliding off of the road and calling for tows. I told him I understood and that we could wait. We didn't really have a choice. I hung up and turned the car off. I grabbed my jacket from the back seat and gave it to Natalie to use as a blanket. We both tilted our seats back and fell asleep. I woke up a little after three. Natalie was still asleep. The inside of the car was freezing, so I started the engine. I tilted my seat up as I surveyed the world outside of the car. The parking lot looked smudgy through the water drops on the windshield, and the window on my side was opaque, covered in condensation from our breathing. I pushed my sleeve up over my hand and tried to wipe away the moisture, but nothing happened. The condensation was on the outside of the window. Before I could open my door to wipe the outside of the window, a sound became apparent. I think that it had been there since I'd woken up. Maybe it had been the thing that woke me up, but I just now began to notice it. Softly, barely audible over the sound of the engine idling, I could hear the sound of a woman singing. It was gentle and sweet, but it sounded more crisp now than it had by the lake, more clear. It was loud enough that I could make out words and phrases. She was singing in a language that I didn't recognize, but the song was beautiful, her voice enchanting. My jaw went a bit slack, and a sort of weird tingling feeling arose in my face and spread across my body. Then, as gently as it had come, the singing drifted off, carried away on the wind until the parking lot was silent once more. That was when Natalie woke up. She rubbed her eyes and tossed my jacket into the back seat. She tilted her seat up and looked around. Did you have to pee again, she asked me. I told her that I did not. Then what's that? I looked up at where her finger was pointing. At first, I saw nothing unusual, 
But after a moment, I realized what I was seeing. And when I did, my heart dropped. In front of us, I saw the parking lot, illuminated by our headlights and blanketed in snow. I saw the tracks I'd make when I went to go pee by the lake. Deep holes connected by narrow gashes where my feet had dragged through the snow. One set led out to the lake, and another led from the lake back to the car. But my tracks were not alone. A second set of footprints ran directly alongside mine, from the lake to the car and back. These footprints were much finer. Crisp, clear marks in the snow with no dragging in between. The prints didn't even leave holes in the snow, as if whatever had left them had walked along the top of it, rather than trudging through it. My eyes grew wide as I traced the tracks to the car. I saw nothing outside of the windows, so slowly I opened my door and stepped outside. The snow was still coming down hard. The wind was howling now. The tracks led straight to my door, but then they continued. They circled the car again and again, dozens of times. I hurriedly climbed back in the car and closed the door behind me, locking it. I told Natalie about the tracks. She said that maybe it was an animal. I didn't tell her, but the tracks looked like human feet. Bare human feet. A dinging sound from the car broke the silence. I looked at the dashboard. The low fuel light was on, so I shut the car off. The inside of the car was completely still except for the sound of our breathing when Natalie said, What is that? Once again, I looked out the windshield at the spot where she was pointing. There was something out there at the edge of the tree line. It was hard to make out through the droplets on the glass, but as I looked harder, I became convinced that it was a woman. I started the car and instinctively tried to back out, but we went nowhere. I turned on the windshield wipers and, yes, it was indeed a woman standing on the other side of the dark parking lot. Only now, and I can't be sure of this, but she seemed closer. She had long, dark, wet hair that hung down around her face, obscuring it. She was looking at the ground and appeared to be wearing nothing but a swimsuit. She was very pale, almost glowing in the night. The snow began piling up, so I pressed down the wiper lever again and cleared the window. She was closer now, for sure, though I hadn't seen her move. Her swimsuit was faded and torn in places. Who the fuck is that? asked Natalie. I felt my heart pounding in my chest. I didn't know what to do. I cleared the windshield again and she was closer again, no more than 50 feet from the car. I could see now that there was seaweed hanging off of her and her hair frozen, little patches of snow clinging to it here and there. I gunned the engine again. Nothing. The engine made a weird noise and began to die. We were out of gas. The car shut down. The headlights went off and snow began to pile up on the windshield. I lost sight of the woman. The inside of the car grew dark as the snow blotted out even the meager light of the street lamp. And then we heard it, the singing. It was very loud now and very clear, and it was moving closer. I made sure the doors were locked as the singing grew louder and louder until it sounded as if it was right outside of my window. I felt tears welling in my eyes. Suddenly, the singing was cut off entirely, all at once. The air inside the car was completely still for what felt like minutes. 
and then came the shrieking. It was deafening, a horrid sound, blood-curdling pain and anguish. It came from everywhere and nowhere. It was all around the car, surrounding us. We covered our ears. It was so loud that I swear it shook the car. It lasted for almost a minute, and then, just like the singing, stopped abruptly. We were once again left in complete silence. Natalie and I stared at each other. We were both breathing heavily, our eyes wide with terror. When the tapping came, it started behind me. Fingernails on my window. Slow. Soft. And then, from behind the tapping, came a humming. A woman's voice just outside the car. It was the same tune as the song from earlier. Her voice was silky and warm, almost comforting. I have to go, said Natalie. I asked her what she was talking about. The lake. It's right there, and I need to go for a swim. I yelled at her. I told her she was losing her mind. I told her we needed to stay in the car. She unlocked the doors. It's right there, she said. Doesn't a nice swim sound refreshing? She opened her door. I grabbed her wrist. I tried to tug her back into the car, but she yanked herself away, stepped outside, and closed her door behind her. I unlocked my door and flung it open, but when I stepped outside, I was alone. The wind was gone, and the snow had slowed to a flurry. From the lake, I heard a singing. Two women now, singing in harmony. I stumbled through the parking lot as fast as I could until I reached the top of the stairs. Looking down, I saw Natalie. She was standing on one of the bottom steps, soaking wet, the water of the lake up to her waist, and she was facing me, smiling. She reached out her hand and beckoned for me to join her in the water. And I almost did. Not knowing why I was moving my legs, I took the first step down, then the second, descending towards Natalie, towards the lake. I had my foot on the third step when a flashing orange light appeared in the trees. I had my foot on the third step when a flashing orange light appeared in the trees. I turned around. The tow truck had arrived. When I looked back at the lake, Natalie was gone. Nothing left of her save for a light shimmer on the surface of the freezing water where she had just stood. I climbed through the snow to the top of the stairs and raced back to my car. I had the guy tow me directly to the police station, and and you know the rest of the story after that. I've told everything there is to tell. I would ask you to believe me, but I cannot blame you if you don't. I know how crazy it sounds. Just know that I miss Natalie, just like you do, and would give anything to switch places with her. I haven't slept since that night. I lie down, but whenever I close my eyes, I see the woman, and I see Natalie, standing in Lake Michigan in February, surrounded by snow, and smiling at me. Only it wasn't Natalie's smile. Whatever was behind her eyes, it wasn't her. I've just been told that they found Natalie's body, that it floated ashore this morning, a few miles from where our car got stuck. I know this looks bad for me, and I fully expect that I will be charged with her murder now. For whatever it's worth, I maintain that I am innocent, 
and will continue to do so until my dying breath. Hopefully that comes sooner rather than later. There is not a lot left to say, so I will leave you with this. There are things out there, things beneath the surface of the water that none of us understand. Bad things. One of them took Natalie, I'm sure of that. You might not believe me, but you haven't heard them. You haven't been driving along 63 late at night and heard them singing to you. And I hope, for your sake, that you never do. If you do, run. I wish I would have ran. I wish I would have left my car there. I would rather have frozen to death in the forest than experience what I experienced. I will write you again when I get a chance. Till then, stay warm and stay away from the lake.